Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Elbows Tight Podcast. It's your host, Travis and John. John, how was that? Man, it was so good. I wish we could have went longer, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Today, we have uh, one of my good friends, fellow YouTuber, jiu-jitsu practitioner, podcaster. He is uh, Kieran Lefebvre. He does the Beyond Jiu-Jitsu podcast, Kieran Jiu-Jitsu, or Kieran Lefebvre Jiu-Jitsu on YouTube. He also is part of Jordan Teaches Jiu-Jitsu's uh, strength condition and longevity course that they have together. He's also a nutritionist, personal trainer for jiu-jitsu athletes. I mean, he just holds a lot of hats. And this interview is fantastic, man. We go deep into strength conditioning training. Um, we go deep into nutrition. What else, John? Man, I'll tell you what. Uh, if anyone's looking for some Christmas gifts, I think he mentions a couple in here that you could buy your significant other as far as maybe some... Uh, some supplements they may be looking for. Yeah. But he goes into all kinds of stuff. And I think he gives more than one good tip for especially brand new practitioners of yeah. white belts. Yeah. He's a, he's a blue belt. So, and he recently just started jujitsu. He said 2019, he started jujitsu. Yeah. 2020, right? 2019. Yeah. yeah and uh, he, so he's, he's still fresh on it too. And with his background and personal training and stuff like that, it's just perfectly landed straight over to jujitsu and continuing helping people through jujitsu. So it's a great episode. Be sure you guys go follow Kieran. Everything's going to be down in the description below. Um, I don't really have anything else. John? Uh, make sure you got a pen and paper handy so you can jot down some of the some of the great stuff he's putting out. Yeah, it's 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 a great episode. Um, make sure you guys follow us, Elbows Tight Everywhere, Instagram. We hit our 1,000 thousand followers goal, so now we're going to 1250. Got to get to 1250 by the end of the year. Uh, follow us on YouTube, all that fancy stuff. So check out our supercast, supercast.elbowstight or elbowstight.supercast.com. And then uh, don't forget to share it with a friend. Give us a five star review, all that fancy stuff. So thank you guys so much for listening and watching at home, and we'll catch you later. Peace. Support for Elbows Tight is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the Performance Package. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code ETP20 at manscaped.com. If my math is correct, that's about 8 million balls. That's a lot of balls, Johnny. <laughs> When Manscaped reached out to work with us, I instantly thought, yes, what a deal. I've been using Manscaped products for a while now, and when they mentioned helping out with the podcast, I, I thought it was a no-brainer. I have the Lawnmower 4.0 now, but I had the Lawnmower 3.0 and absolutely loved it. Also, most people think about Manscaped as tr just trimmers, but really they have ball deodorant, ball toner, the weed whacker, which is your favorite thing, right, John? Yeah, I love the weed whacker. Look, I'm about to hit like 45 years old, so I got hair growing out of everywhere now. So it's coming out my ears. I'm like, man, where is that weed whacker? It's definitely my favorite. <laughs> Get 20% off and free shipping with the code ETP20 at Manscaped. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com and use code ETP20. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools to get the job done with Manscaped. Kieran, how's it going, man? Good morning from Yo. America. Yes, yes. I'm hailing in from the uh, the Down Under, Australia. It's uh, <laughs> it's like 6.30 here. I think the original time was scheduled a little bit earlier, but uh, I was able to <laughs> wrangle you boys into shifting it right for me, which is great. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, you don't want to you don't want to podcast at five a.m. on a Monday morning. I don't understand why that would <laughs> look. Normally, normally I am an early riser. You know what they say: the uh, early bird gets the worm. But uh, yeah, not not super keen, not sharp. I had to give myself enough time to have a coffee at least. Yeah, do you but drink good your coffee go. just black or? Oh yeah, yeah. Straight oh up. my gosh, I don't know how you guys same do. That's same. The, I got a. I made way. my much. No, th this is this is shaken espresso with oat milk. So, which <laughs> nice. which does absolutely. Not, I'm pretty sure oat milk is just like a bunch of gum syrups and and That's there's maybe right. a grain of oat in it, but it, it tastes good. It doesn't mess my stomach up like milk does. So, yeah, there's like a super lame joke. It's like, what's the worst thing about drinking almond milk? Having to get up early in the morning to milk the almonds. It's like, <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> Hands will cramp up quickly. Yeah, I used yeah. to drink almond milk, and then I, I started like reading stuff, and they're like, "There's, it's literally like a handful of almonds and a gallon of almond milk, and oh, the rest yeah. of it's just like chemicals and stuff like that." So if you're at home and yeah. you're listening to this and you drink almond milk, I'm sorry, uh, you probably <laughs> shouldn't do that anymore. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so 
Hey, well, uh, for people that don't know who you are, Kieran, let's go ahead and jump a little bit into who you are because you've been gaining a lot of notoriety lately, especially Ooh. in your YouTube channel. <laughs> and and I, well, I mean, I think you are personally. Oh, thank you. You, you do you, you do this like uh recently you've been doing like the DDS update with John Dana here, mm. and that's been getting a lot of mm. traction. And then also you have your longevity course with Jordan Pressinger and. Just, just give us a background of how you got into jiu-jitsu and who you are. Yeah, so um, my name's Kieran. <laughs> uh, this is my TED Talk. No. Um, yeah, so I, I, I started, I started jiu-jitsu. We start with jiu-jitsu and that, that, that sort of leads into the content creation piece, I think. Uh, similar stories for, for both of us, really, uh, right. for, for all of us. Um, so I started jiu-jitsu over two years ago now. And, I mean, I, I was a typical dude that's, like, always wanted to do some sort of martial arts when I was younger. I did a jiu-jitsu, a jiu-jitsu trial at a Gracie Baja Academy. But because of my work, I was in the Navy. Um, because of my work, I, I didn't want to commit. I was a, a tight ass. I didn't want to, you know, pay the money but then go to sea um, and not be able to, to actually get my money's worth. So I didn't right. join. And that was, like, in 2017. And then time went by. I started listening to, you know... The standard dude started listening to Jocko Willink again, yeah. Joe Rogan. I was like, oh, yeah, boys, like, you know, this needs to happen. I- I'm one of those guys. I'm like, you know, one of the guys that started jiu-jitsu because of, like, the likes of uh, Jocko Willink and Joe Rogan, their influence and, and you know, my previous experience with the sport, um, you know, with my two trial classes or whatever I did. So, I I lived, like, pretty much down the road from my, my current academy. I just walked in the door and uh, signed up and then, yeah, that that that's what started the, the the journey for me and at the time when i first started jiu-jitsu i had a fitness youtube channel so i was still in the navy but part-time i decided to get my uh, pt certs my nutrition certs for fun because i'm you know always like to be doing something uh so i would you know have my little side business going on while i was full-time in the navy and i was creating content on youtube because of that uh and you know i i enjoyed making YouTube videos. I had like a little fitness podcast and, and, and everything like that. So I was making content and I decided why not? I'll just make a, a YouTube video about my first day in jujitsu. So I started documenting or, or like creating content around my jujitsu um, journey from day one. Like I, I created my first video was like a week after and it was literally like five things I wish I knew before my first class or something like that and they're just <laughs> bullshit things like half of them weren't even five things i wish i knew or whatever i already knew them but like you know i was like oh fuck i gotta put together this uh video uh, but you know it's it's okay but it's really cringe now looking back on it um but you know any content creator will say the same about their early content um, oh yeah 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 so I, I just started creating content and then slowly over time i i really enjoyed that more than like the standard fitness content and you know the fitness content creation space is so saturated like unless you're you got a lot of asahi and jesus in you like or or, you know you have like a a specific unique twist about you it's it's really hard to get uh any notice in that in that space but that's not the whole reason why i changed to jujitsu soul content but like you know i just enjoyed the jujitsu way more like fell in love with jujitsu got the bug as they say really got bit by the jujitsu bug and and just went all in 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 that sort of content space and yeah, my first big breakout was when I when the DDS split first happened. So the DDS split first happened, and I was very fortunate. A good friend of mine, Jeremy Skinner, is is really close with Craig Jones. Jeremy Skinner, if you're a ADCC fan, he recently competed in uh, ADCC 2022 uh, in under 66 kilo division. He was our Australian representative there. Uh, awesome guy and he knew Craig so I tried to get some inside information he didn't tell me shit <laughs> but I thought in my mind I was like oh yeah I have this connection with Jeremy I'll be able to like and he was like nah man I'm not telling you anything but regardless <laughs> no shout out to Jeremy he's a legend but um, regardless um, I made the video and I was just first I was like I wasn't accurate but I was first so I got all the views um, and that sort of really catapulted like got me up to my first like 500 subscribers or whatever um so yeah i've just been creating content ever since and really leveraging you know my experience and expertise in strength and conditioning and nutrition and and uh trying to apply that to jujitsu so that's like the the long-winded answer no that was great so did you start jujitsu right around the time covid was really starting yeah yeah 100 percent. yeah so um 
just before the lockdowns in Australia is when I started jujitsu. I think it was late 2019. So I think I started, yeah, around around 2019, somewhere around there, like November, so you, I think. Did you get to get a couple like in-person classes in and then it went where you had to do like remote only? Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So I got some, I, I think I actually started after our first lockdown. So it must've been 2020. Um, anyway, like timelines are all, all like blurry with the, yeah. the whole COVID. <laughs> Yo, those two uh, years fiasco. have just blurred Yeah, I'm, I'm like, is it been Man. two, three, four? I don't even know at this they, point. They're just all condensed into one, hey. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I think I started around that COVID time. I got like a couple months of training in and then we went into lockdown and then we came back out and then we went back in and you know, we were, we were all over the place here. Uh, I'm sure you guys heard about it, but yeah. So what, what made you want to start the trial class? Was there, did you watch UFC and you're like, well, I'm big and strong and, and in shape. I can, I can do this stuff. And like, what was that idea behind actually starting? It was actually, um, when I was in the Navy, I was in, I, I, when I did the trial, still under training technically, because my training period in the Navy was three years. This was a long time. And a guy that I joined with, um, when the same intake, his name's Dwayne. He was an ex Muay Thai fighter and he had a, a fair amount of like jujitsu background, maybe like, you know, experience white belt, maybe a blue belt. It's, it's really hard to tell, um, you know, looking back, but I think it may be around like early blue belt level, but an absolute athlete. And he, we used to do what we call mess rumbles. Um, and just like, you know, dudes will be dudes. We just wrestled basically like screwed right. around. And he would towel us up, absolutely <laughs> wreck us. He, he could take like two on at once or like, you know, three of the smaller guys at once. Um, he would just manhandle us. And that really highlighted to me, hang on a minute, um, you know, I, I don't know shit. Like, I'm a yeah. fit guy. I, I have that fit guy mentality. Like, you know, I'll just see red and bodies will just drop around me. You know, that, that, that whole like, yeah, I, I, I can hold my own. But, but yeah. with no substance behind it, just thinking, yeah, yeah I, I've got this. But nah, man, I don't got this. So that really highlighted a problem to me. And I was like, oh, shit. You know, and as a young guy, I was like going out and, and everything like that and putting myself in positions where maybe I would need it one day. Thank, thankfully, I never did. Um but I was like, yeah, okay, so I need to sort this out. Um, and it was, you know, always m sort of just festering in the back of my mind, like, you know, I need to get onto this because it's something that I want to do for self-defense and, you know, it's cool and everything. And then I got to a point in my life where it's like, yeah, it's time, let's go. Yeah. How long did you feel like uh, the self-defense uh, self portion of your training, like, was complete? You know what I mean? Like now, are you now are you more into jujitsu versus jujitsu training? Or are you still kind of in that? I'm trying to get a little bit more self defense. No, I'm all about jujitsu is like the sport now. Um, yeah. I think the self defense thing sort of like got no uh, that box got checked, if you will, within the first couple of months. I was like, yep, sweet. Yeah. yeah now, same. like, I love jujitsu. I competed in the uh, my first three months in jujitsu. I I was like, yeah, I want to compete. I was just like frothing. I I just wanted to to get after it, uh, so to speak. And yeah, I've been competing ever since. Not that I want to be a competitor. Of like, I mean, I still want to give it a red hot crack. But I mean. With people like the Rotolo brothers, like, you know, yeah. being the world number one and in their weight division at like 19 or whatever. I'm like, oh, shit, <laughs> I'm a bit old for this game. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I'm still like really interested in, in jujitsu for jujitsu's sake. So what, what was your first competition like? Yeah, so that was an interesting experience. Um, I was nervous <laughs> as hell. Like, I had no idea what to expect. I'd done the whole like, oh, what's my game plan? I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this, and, and then he's gonna do that. And, and you know, I was talking to my coach, like, trying to get him to suck me up. I was like calling him on the way there, like freaking out, like real nervous. Um, and fortunately, um, a mate of mine who's my business partner in my videography. Uh, business he came along with me thank god he was there because like you know a bit of a support network no no one else from my team was there because it was like some random competition an hour away uh, so he came to film it um uh, gotta get that content that's um, right baby and, yeah <laughs> so he came to film and i was late because i couldn't find a park uh like i i was all over the place i I had to like jump the line and quickly weigh in. The guys are like, you're on now. They're calling my name over the PA. I'm freaking out. Oh. I forgot my mouth guard. And, and just all this shit went down, like standard ops for, for white belt comp. And so I just go out in the mats and everything went, everything went out the window. I was just grabbing onto him like, ah, oh, fuck, what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was great. It was great. So I, I, um, I was able to, it was a pretty small division. 
uh, I went through my first three fights in in Gi, and then I I got to the finals and I got uh, choked out. I think it was a ninja choke from memory. You can see it on YouTube. And I didn't tap. I just fucking went out. I was like, nah, <laughs> Valhalla, baby. But uh, it was so <laughs> dumb. It was so dumb, man. <laughs> you can see my like my leg twitching and shit. It was great. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So that, that was the gi. And then I went and did uh, no gi. And I, I ended up winning that. I was able to win that in the finals. So, yeah, it was pretty good for, for the first comp. And it sounds like you went into this already in good shape, right? Like you already had good cardio, good strength. Like, Yeah, so that, yeah. That so, um, oh, yeah. Oh, it, it helps so much. It helps so much. Even even with weight divisions, like even, even though, you know, you're separated by age, you're separated by belt, and you're separated by weight, there's still you know, physical attributes within those categories still play a huge role. So, I mean, I competed my first time at the under 88 kilo uh, division in Gi and I weighed in like 81. So I could have, I could have easily cut to the weight class below, but I felt heavy compared to my opponents. I felt like, you know, I was strong and, and that strength, you know, means, means a world of difference, particularly when there's low skill at white belt. Like mm-hmm. strength is the can be the catalyst that um, you know helps you win, even if your opponent is is technically superior. Yeah, John John's competed before, and that was the big thing that he said was you know being against people his age and size and was a big game changer. I mean, it's mm. nice you know because you know when you're in class, you're, you're just going up against anyone and everyone, so it's yeah. kind of nice to compete and go up against somebody that's your group, your your size. It, it was nice. yeah, definitely. So yeah. When did you get into the strength and conditioning part of your um, your fitness journey? Was that in the Navy also, or was it before the Navy? No, it was well before. So I was pretty much, uh, I started lifting weights uh, in my last year of high school and the first year outside of high school. I just went full gym rat, gym junkie mode. Like everything had to be protein and everything was a dumbbell, you know? So I just went hard in the paint, just, just went for it. Um, and yeah, so I was a amateur bodybuilder whilst I was like in the Navy, like early days in the Navy, uh, I was an amateur bodybuilder again for fun. I, I got my PT certs and nutrition certs as I mentioned. So I was, I was in a fitness, um, well before jujitsu, like maybe close to close to 10 years, about eight years, uh, of consistent, wow. you know, fitness, um, and all, all that, all that piece before, um, yeah, and I was like, luckily for me, I was even into like I really started nerding out a couple of years before I joined jujitsu. I started nerding out on mobility as well, so that really, really helped a lot too. So I had that pretty good couplet of the strength and the and the mobility, which lends itself brilliantly to to jujitsu. So I was mm-hmm. just like right place, right time, right interests, I suppose. So now, do you do uh, physical training uh, or personal training for people now for jujitsu and stuff like that? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I was coaching people uh, like amateur bodybuilders. uh, But yeah, that's pretty much full. My client client base now is just full jujitsu athletes or even jujitsu hobbyists. Um, That's that's my focus, because, you know, when when you're in the fitness industry, um, I, I think you you generally find yourself like naturally guiding towards a specific niche anyway. And this one just makes the most sense because me compared to just a, a run of the mill like off the street PT that you find at every sort of gym, like the the difference between us is I understand jujitsu, and therefore I can lend myself to coaching jujitsu people more effectively than someone that has never trained, which which makes sense. Yeah, recently I feel there has been way more people coming into the uh, jujitsu space for personal training. Just a couple of years ago, when we first started, there was like. No one None. that that mm-hmm. was like jujitsu specific, uh, and uh, op- to the open market. You know what I mean? Like there was people like Chad yeah. Wesley Smith who was doing pe- like uh, training for jujitsu athletes, but it was nothing but like the typically the higher like high level competitors and stuff like that. And now he's opened it up to anyone can do it. And Chewy came mm-hmm. out with his thing a while ago and stuff like that. Yeah. What What is the the biggest difference that you see in just general fitness and then strength and conditioning for let's say a sport like jiu-jitsu 
I think the biggest difference I would say just off the bat for most people, like we can talk about nuances, we can talk about exercise selection and intensity and everything like that. But just for the everyday run of the mill person, I think it's a mentality thing. And this is because a lot of information that you'll find, unless you look for jujitsu specific information, is talking about doing like going to the gym, lifting weights to get fit. But a jiu-jitsu guy is not going to the gym to lift weights to get fitness necessarily. They're not going to the gym to lift weights for uh, aesthetics or anything like that. They're going to support their sport. They, they're lifting weights to support their jiu-jitsu. And I think a big com- a common mistake people run into is they, they bite off more than they can chew in the weights room. As in, they, they go either too hard, they're going too, too often, or they're not quite sure what to do. And you need to like reframe your the way you're thinking about it is no, no man, this, this needs to be supporting your jujitsu. You're, you're lifting, you're doing these exercises directly to support jujitsu. So I think that is the biggest, the most common issue or the, the biggest hang up I find most people have. And to be transparent, I ran into that myself in the early days. I, I was just trying to do my standard bodybuilding style split. I was trying to consistently go to the gym and lift weights five days a week while simultaneously doing eight jiu-jitsu sessions a week. It's just not sustainable and it's it's counterproductive. You're going to be hurting yourself more than you're providing any benefit to your sport. It's kind of like when we were trying to do the CrossFit yeah. right before our jiu-jitsu class. I think I managed to do it for about two months. And I was like, all right, yeah. something has to give. Because I'd get right out of the CrossFit class, chain to the gi, jump into our class. And I was like, I'm just shot. I can't do anything. Man. No grip strength, Man. no arms, no nothing. John, that's hectic, dude. <laughs> <laughs> we still have a couple guys that do it. And I'm like, man, yeah. good on you. I, I could not yeah. keep it up. Yeah, we that's have a brown we call belt. Burning his, the his... candle at both ends. Eh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. We have a, a guy, Billy, who's, what, 55, 56? 54, 55, somewhere around there. 54, something like that. And uh, he does our CrossFit class before jiu-jitsu and then comes and does jiu-jitsu and rolls four to five times in jiu-jitsu class, too. This guy is a specimen of a human being. <laughs> Billy's Let a savage. That's, Not yeah. only that, but, like, incredibly flexible, does, like, hot yoga multiple times. A week. Like, just, you're like, you know what, I, I hope I'm, like, a, a tenth of that man when i get to his age like, you know what i mean man chill you make us yeah. look bad yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah so. for sure uh when it comes to say if people want to start doing you know strength and conditioning training at home this was a big thing mm. during the pandemic too because people were buying home gyms and whatnot yeah but what would if you could give uh a person like let's just say one piece of gym equipment to general mm. fitness for jujitsu what would it be and why now my answer to this mm. is actually would would surprise my previous self pre jujitsu, and it's going to be a kettlebell or like some form of kettlebells. Like I was, I was one of those dudes. I think I painted the picture pretty accurately. Like a amateur bodybuilder, gym rat, protein was everything. Uh, you know, kettlebells were like, ah, oh, okay, those, that, that's for the other people. Uh, but <laughs> but yeah, the utility that you can get out of one kettlebell is incredible. I mean, yeah, if you prefer, you could replace that with a a dumbbell or a set of dumbbells, but I mean, there's just so so much you can do with with just such little equipment. Like you can really burn yourself out with with a kettlebell, and it doesn't have to be that heavy. You know, you can work with like 12 kilos or like uh, 20 pounds or so, uh, and you can get a sick workout with with just a 20 pound kettlebell. So, ha- what would be some workouts that people can do to help with their jujitsu? Let's say. Um, body weight with the kettlebell like or just straight kettlebell like what what is like a, a it's a very give like a very basic workout that might uh benefit someone yeah so i like to work with push pull the reason particularly for jiu-jitsu guys the reason i work with push pull legs is the three-day split or you can bring it into one day or two days or whatever is you get the most bang for your buck instead of doing like you know chest and tries we don't really need to be doing tries like we're not we're not there to work our mirror muscles. We're there to, to work for strength for jujitsu, right? So if we take that push-pull split mentality and apply it to a kettlebell workout, 
the world's your oyster. Like mm-hmm. for for example, a really good pulling exercise you can do with a kettlebell would be deadlifts, standard kettlebell deadlifts. You can do, I really like single leg or unilateral movements for jujitsu because you get a lot of balance and you can work on your muscle imbalances from side to side as well. So an example of a, a single leg variation with a kettlebell sticking with the pull theme, we could go with um, single leg deadlifts or like single leg Romanian deadlifts. Um, pretty much you're holding uh, the kettlebell with one hand, you're balancing one foot and you, you lever down with like a straight leg um, into into like a deadlift sort of form. Um, so that's what I would like with the, with the pull. For a push exercise with kettlebells, these are a lot easier to do. They're a lot more um, intuitive. We could do something like a kettlebell clean and press. A really good, here's, here's a really good exercise for you for uh, jujitsu practitioners specifically. I really like the uh, kettlebell bottoms up press. It's essentially where you're holding the kettlebell by the handle or the horn as they call it, and you're pressing directly up into a shoulder press. The reason that this is so beneficial for jujitsu guys is it really works your grip strength and all of your your um, your forearm and wrist strength, and you're also getting a a push as well. So you're getting the sh- you're getting like a, a three in one almost. You're getting your grip, you're getting your forearm stability, and you're getting a shoulder press in there too. And, is that with the bell I mean, up or bell down? Bell up, yeah. Okay. So you're holding by the horn with the bell. The bell is up. You can progress to this with uh, what's known as a palm press. So you're basically balancing the kettlebell in your palm, but don't use the the horn to assist you. And and once you progress enough with, say, say for example, you only have like a 20-pound kettlebell and you can't do a bottoms-up press yet, start with a uh, palm press. If you can't do a palm press, then start with like a regular uh, kettlebell shoulder press and then progress your way through it. So those those are just uh, two examples, and then for legs, I mean, you can do squats, you can do goblet <laughs> squats, any anything like lunges, like you can do just about anything with a kettlebell. So a- anything you could think of that you can do with a barbell or a uh, dumbbell, you can do with a kettlebell. When it comes to injuries, uh, do you for your clients if they get injured during jujitsu, how how do you work around that? Should do you tell them to continue to go to jujitsu and just go light? or light enough on the workouts, or do you kind of um, prescribe a workout that helps rebuild around that injury? Yeah, I'm going to do the whole cop-out answer. It depends. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It depends on the injury. And ironically, uh, this is a very uh, fortuitous question because I'm injured at the moment. I I sprang my ankle at jiu-jitsu doing something stupid. So, uh, classic. Um, What? So, yeah, yeah, funny that. Um, Yeah, so... I've got a sprained ankle at the moment uh, and I'll just talk about what, what I'm prescribed for myself and what I'm doing. Uh, and this is pretty much what I would, would give to any of my athletes as well is at the moment sprained ankle. So I can't, um, I, I've just gotten back to drilling. So even jujitsu showing up for just showing up sake, that was, that was pretty much off the table of actually doing anything at jujitsu for me. So the last two weeks I've been working on cardio and uh, strength and conditioning. So, so getting in the gym, still getting the reps in, um, using this as an opportunity to to use it as almost like a building phase. If, if we if we're thinking about strength and conditioning phases, this is like a building phase or a hypertrophy phase, if you will. I'm I'm looking to build strength. I'm looking to build muscle, uh, and and make sure I'm at least maintaining cardio. So that that is pretty much the focus because there's. I can pretty much do anything except because of the dynamic nature that you need your ankles to go through in jiu-jitsu. I can't, I can't really drill and I can't uh, roll, obviously. So depending on the injury, depending on the athlete, depending on where their headspace is at, I would get them in the gym doing what they can do and using it as an opportunity to work on their physical uh, deficiencies or physical weaknesses. Say, for example, they have an issue with grip strength. Okay, let's let's crack that nut. Let's work on grip strength. I'll, I'll get them doing the, the bottoms up press. I'll get them doing uh, farmer's carries, uh, de- uh, dead man hangs, like the, the bar hangs, and, and really use it as an opportunity to pick one or two areas and let's hammer these so that when you come back, not only are you good to go, but you... You come back, you come back stronger in some areas, and yeah, and maintaining cardio is a big one because everyone knows that, like, you know, everyone's seen that guy that goes on holiday for like three months. Or yes, yes, John, I know John, that you dying, just came back dying. recently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the gas tank, man, the gas yeah. tank is, is wind dead, bellows. Right? <laughs> 
Yeah. So um, I think uh, focusing in on maintaining your cardio where you can. And if you can't do any cardio, if you have like a catastrophic injury, uh, like say you, you just had knee surgery and you can't do cardio, you can actually do sauna. Sauna will maintain your cardio to oh. a certain extent. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, the more you do, the better it's going to be. But sauna is a really good option if you if you're like, okay, that's all well and good, man. But both of my knees are like collapsed. Jump in the sauna, and it will be much much better than doing nothing. Everyone, this episode is brought to you by Manscaped. This holiday season, I'll be giving thanks to our friends over at Manscaped. Everyone loves turkey and stuffing, but you'll be looking like dessert with the help of Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming have blessed you with the ultimate Thanksgiving dinner topic. Tell your in-laws about your new cutting-edge ball trimmer and gift yourself or the man in your life the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Trim your pumpkins by going to manscaped.com and use code ETP20 for free shipping and 20% off. Recently, John and I have received the shampoo, conditioner, and deodorant. And I'm not lying to you. I probably won't ever use any other shampoo and conditioner and deodorant. John, how, how do you like it? Man, I 100% love it. And matter of fact, the deodorant is probably my favorite. It's also aluminum free, which is something I look for in all my deodorants. Yep. Um, not only do I like it, but my wife loves it. Yeah. And what's nice about the shampoo and conditioner and deodorant, it, it has that manscaped smell, but it's not super overpowering. Uh, the deodorant, I can't talk highly enough about the deodorant, just something about it. I feel great. It goes on thin, aluminum free. As far as the materials they used for the shampoo and the conditioner, it's not a cheap bottle. Or, it's metal. Or, yeah, it, it is nice. I was thoroughly impressed. Get 20% off and free shipping with code ETP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off. With free shipping at code at manscaped.com using code ETP20. Be thankful this holiday season for the best gift of all from Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. Thank you, Manscaped, for sponsoring this episode. I feel like you'd have a really good answer for this question. Okay. So you know when you got the jujitsu bug, right? And you're trying to get all your friends into it? Yeah. What what do you tell them when they go, I want to get into it, but I want to get in shape first? Oh, that's a great question. Ah, <laughs> uh, now this. Yeah, funny, funny that. Um, John, my my opinion when I first started jujitsu was wrong, and I have a video on on this this exact question. And my opinion on that video, I I'm, I'm going to do an update to it. So basically, my my opinion used to be, man, you got to get fit to jujitsu. You got to like, you don't. Uh, I, I used like a weird um, military analogy as well. I was like, in the military, we've got a saying: it's get fit to fight, don't fight to get fit, or something like that. And man, I look at I look at it now, and I'm like, bro, you got no fucking idea what you're talking about. Like you're an asshole. Like, like dude. Yeah, I got to do an update to that. I'm going to write that down yeah, after this. Yeah. Um, yeah, so basically my opinion used to be you got to get fit to do jiu-jitsu. But now I realize that that is just narrow-minded. It's it's silly. I, I see jiu-jitsu not only as a way of life, but, you know, a sport, <laughs> a, a, a fitness modality. And, you know, I congratulate people that walk into the gym and like, hey, I, I've chosen this as my avenue to get fit. I think that is absolutely awesome i i encourage it i support it i i think it's 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 really it's excellent so to people that say that you know i want to get fit first well when's that going to be give me give me a date give me a timeline if, if that is really how you feel and that's what you want to do let's set a date let's book in for your trial in in three months and get fit to that date like if, if that's how they want to approach it but i wouldn't i wouldn't really suggest that i would say get in get involved uh get in there I, it will help you along your fitness journey. And I think that not only will it help you to get fit, but it may even motivate you to want to get fit because you're like, fuck, I'm gassed out after one round. I need to sort this out. So it, it can work as the opposite, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so that's that's my new updated and uh, more considered approach in response to that question, yeah. it's It's something that, Chad Wesley Smith said is you can do all the strength conditioning that you want, but nothing replaces uh, an athlete's mm. sport. There's sports specific athleticism that just can't be replaced. No matter how exactly. fit you get, right? You you need to do your sport in order to get better at the sport. Like like you mentioned, like you if you gas out after an hour or after one roll, like you should probably roll more, or maybe you should start doing something outside of jujitsu to help build that jujitsu cardio but like i always mentioned i was in great shape when we first started 
And, uh, you know, I was like the strongest I ever been. I had like six pack Travis, you know what I'm saying? Ripped first class. I was like, I would freaking die. You know what I mean? Like three minutes yeah. in a, a, a one stripe white belt that has been training for six months. That's like half my size was just whooping my tail. Like it doesn't matter how fit you are. There's still the, the magic of jujitsu is always going to be more superior than any amount of fitness that you have, in my opinion. Yeah, I totally agree. And and it's even backed by science. There's You guys may have heard of this probably, uh, but just for the listeners, is uh, a, a concept known as the SAID principle or the uh, specific adaptation to impose demands, SAID. And, and that, you know, talks volumes here. So basically the principle is that the more you do something, the better you're going to get because yep. your body specifically adapts to whatever demands you're imposing. And in this case, it's jujitsu. Not to say that uh, conditioning can't help. Like hit hit training or even improving your cardio base is always going to help. But I agree. And and again, this is this is another one of those mindset pieces that I, I sometimes have to help people with. If if you're only training jujitsu, you know, two or three times a week and that's the maximum that you can get to jujitsu, that's fine. But if then you're having a conversation with yourself, hey, I want to get into the gym as well, should I eliminate one of those jujitsu sessions? I'd be like, No man, you shouldn't. Like mm. The whole point is to train jiu-jitsu. The whole point of you being a jiu-jitsu enthusiast, a, a hobbyist, a jiu-jitsu player is to get on the mats and roll. And and that's what, at the end of the day, that's what we all want to do. That's the most fun. Um, so I wouldn't eliminate a jiu-jitsu session for a strength and conditioning session if already you're limited in the jiu-jitsu realm, if you will. Like once we you get up to like four plus sessions, then we can have a conversation and, and figure out, you know, your schedule. But if you can only train twice a week, don't eliminate one just to lift some weights because you think that you need to. So let's go switch gears a little bit into uh, some of the nutrition behind jujitsu. What there's a lot of things out there like keto, <laughs> you know, low carb, yeah. uh, raw carnivore or whatever. What what do you recommend for your your clients in the nutrition aspect for jujitsu? Yeah, so I'm an ISSN sports nutrition specialist. So my all my recommendations come from uh, the ISSN, and they've recommend they've that they've done a lot of uh, compiling of research and their own research, but compiling of research studies when it comes to sports. So depending on what sport you're into depends on your nutrition the the most optimal nutritional modality. And I even had a comment on one of my nutrition videos like. This is all marketing. It's all bullshit. Like there is no such thing as jujitsu nutrition. There's just nutrition. It's like, well, yeah, you're you're right in a way, but you're also very, very wrong. And the way that you're wrong is that depending on your sport depends on how you're going to feel your body. You're not going to expect that an endurance athlete is going to be having the same nutrition plan as a, a strong man. And not only like in terms of the the calories, but the macronutrient makeup, the food, the timing, everything, it can be completely different. Uh, like you could have two athletes with a similar nutrition modality in different sports, but the chances are they're similar sports, right? So in, in terms of uh, jiu-jitsu, it's a very unique one because on one hand, we have the requirement of almost like an endurance sport because it there's a lot of cardio endurance. Uh, and on the other hand, we we have the requirement of your you know strength and explosiveness because there's a lot of strength and explosiveness. So MMA and jiu-jitsu, they fall in similar categories of combat sports, and they're they're very dynamic between the two. So the recommendation there is to have carbohydrates, is to to predominantly have your nutrition plan made up of carbohydrates with sufficient amount of protein and sufficient amount of fats as well. The, the carbohydrate makeup is going to be in the neighborhood of 50 to 70% of your total uh, calorie intake. Uh, and then we can talk about like uh, how much protein to, t- to take in and fats as well. But we start with uh, carbohydrates essentially. Well, not start with carbohydrates, but, but that, that's like the, the main driver behind the, the, the nutrition plan, if you will. So is that cal- uh, caloric makeup for someone that is training in a surplus in a maintenance or a deficit? Do you, do you change that percentage uh, depending yeah. on, on what, what their, their goal is? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, I do. So now I said we start with carbohydrate. That was I, – I misspoke. We actually start with protein. Um, and Damn we, it. we calculate out <laughs> someone's – yeah. <laughs> I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, John was excited. Um, right. No, we start. 
we start with protein. Uh, we, we, we calculate out the protein for the individual and that's based on your weight. And not only your weight, but also your your fat percentage, if we're being very specific. And then once we have your protein, then we calculate out your fats. And once we have those two numbers, say, for example, it, it turns out to be like, uh, I don't know, 40% of your total calories, then the rest is made up of carbohydrates. And that's where like a, a you know, someone like me can really help if it, if it gets really complicated with, as you mentioned, like working in a surplus, working in a deficit, working on maintenance, then we can tweak that to make sure that your your carbs are sufficient. We're not sacrificing too much uh, protein or fats. So it, it's not really a, a one size fits all as such, uh, but there are certain principles and, and, and guidelines that you can follow to quickly and easily calculate your own macronutrients without being too specific and too, you know, over the top. Like at the end of the day, we're, we're talking, most people here, uh, you know, hobbyists, when you're looking at nutrition for jujitsu, you're looking to make yourself feel better, make yourself, you know, perform better. You're not really looking to um, be the the 1% of the 1% and be a top athlete. And even if you are, like these principles will still help. So that that's pretty much what I'm c- considering. Um, now, when we're looking at cutting and working in a surplus specifically, the the thing that's going to change is predominantly the carbohydrates and the fats. I've, I'm really hesitant to mess with an athlete's protein profile because even if you are cutting, the research shows that higher protein is most of the time um, the the way to go, and you're going to get the most benefit out of out of your cut if you keep your protein high. And that's even been shown in dieting studies where they pretty much cut the the person's calories to to nothing. Like you're you're eating to survive at that point, and it's all about losing weight. I'm talking like around 800 calories for a full grown adult. And in those studies, that they have the most benefit when the most of those 800 calories is made up of protein. So, and and to comment on that too, I uh, I watched a video one time and. The guy was talking about how food selection and your caloric intake is also very important because you can have 500 calories of almonds, right? And then you can have 500 calories of protein, and which one do you think is going to fill you up more, right? The protein typically is the slower burning. It's going to fill you up more, that or, you know, high-fiber foods and stuff like that. But, you know, taking into consideration uh, how you're taking in those protein carbs and fats is also something you should think about too because eating 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 a bunch of twinkies to get your carbohydrates yeah that's all great and dandy but <laughs> at the end of the day you're gonna be like i'm still hungry man <laughs> yeah yeah well kieran said carbs let's go baby yeah sign me up now it fits go. my macros right? <laughs> Way better about all that rice so when it, when it comes to like an athlete cutting weight we we see it all the time people uh, especially our friends. One of our friends competed as a, a white belt, and he cut weight to mm. drop down to the next bracket. Uh, and he mm. did like a distilled water hydro cut the night before, dropped three, four mm. kilos overnight. And then when he came to competition day, yeah, he made weight, but he even admits he's like, he was I didn't even have enough yeah. time to re re energize my body because the yeah. the thing about like I I did uh, Olympic weightlifting for a while, and it was you weighed in about an hour before you had to lift, right? So your your weight cut had to be very very rigid because you needed mm. enough time to in, to replenish your body in electrolytes and carbohydrates and stuff like that in order for you to perform on the platform. Well, the same thing with jujitsu, right? How how would you recommend someone cutting weight to where they're not uh, hindering their performance on the mat? Yeah, this is an excellent question, and this is predominantly. Most of the people that come to me, particularly for one-on-one coaching, um, this this is the question that we address. This is the the problem that we solve. So, I don't like water cutting. I don't like the the I don't like water cutting, and I don't like weight cutting with water. And I think it's a particularly nowadays with the 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 influence of the UFC. A lot of people see, oh, everyone weight cuts, so that's what I need to do. I do a combat sport. They do a combat sport. I, I need a weight cut with water. Uh, so. That, that I see that really creeping into our sport. I know they do it in wrestling, um, so it, it can be, it can work. So I want to be controversial, but I want to like walk back at the same time. Like I don't like it, but it can work. Okay. Right. But what you find, as you pointed out, Travis, is and even your teammates, particularly at white belt, like yeah, you make the weight, you got to cut like three pounds or, or, or 
three kilos or whatever, and then you rock up and you're gassed. You got nothing in the tank. You, I, I've weighed in literally before I've stepped on the mats before. Particularly during COVID, that was super stringent and they were like, no, you can't weigh in an hour before. You got to weigh in and go. So mm. it, what if you're in that situation? What if you're super dehydrated? You've just come off a, a really shit uh, water, water cut. You've had to cut like a stupid amount of weight and then you're literally stepping on the scale and then stepping on the mat. Good luck. Like you, you, it's going to be tough. It's tough even when you don't cut weight. Uh, so I like to cut my athletes well and truly in advance. I want them on weight three days before. And to achieve that, we cut their fats. Like as in, not their fat macros, we we reduce their body fat. That That's what I'm cutting. Now, the, the best optimal zone for most combat athletes in terms of body fat percentage is somewhere in the neighborhood of eight to 15%. So that is a huge bracket to work with. 15%, we're talking about more heavyweights. So for, um, we'll just take the average average run-of-the-mill jiu-jitsu person, if your body fat percentage is somewhere in the neighborhood of 8 to 12%, you're pretty much in the Goldilocks zone. If you're if you're greater than that and you're looking to cut to the lower bracket, you should be cutting your body fat percentage first. And then if we need to, we can address a water cut. So I have, you know, I have seen jiu-jitsu athletes, some of my jiu-jitsu athletes do a water cut because all of a sudden they wanted to, to go to a competition that was outside of their schedule. Um, so that was the only way to achieve it. And I mean... You have to ask them if it was worth it. But um, yeah, for, for me, I like to cut my athletes in advance because again, I'm not I'm not really working with people that are about to, I don't know, uh, step on ADCC stage or anything like that. Well, technically the ADCC trials, but still like, I don't know. I'm just, I get really, I get really funny about water cuts in, in jujitsu. I think there's better ways to do it. Like there's just better ways to do it. When I watched our friends do that, because they all did, and it, it seems like a mm. common trend when I watch people that are going to compete, they always pick the lower weight class. That's mm. where they want to be. Mm. So when I saw that, I was like, well, I'm just going to pick the higher weight class. <laughs> then mm. I didn't have to cut anything, and I felt like it was way less stress. But I don't know. It yeah. seems like everyone goes under instead of higher. Interesting. Yeah. So I, I competed 88 uh, in 88 kilos in gi, and my last competition, I weighed in with the gi on at 80 kilos. So I was pretty, I was, I was in the weight class below. Like I could have easily have just cut like half mm-hmm. a kilo and been uh, in the weight class cl- below because the weight class below is 79.8 or something like that. So I was pretty much the weight class below. Um, but you're exactly right. It, it was no stress. I didn't have to cut. And it's going to sound weird, but I feel stronger in the higher weight class. I feel stronger when I'm replenished. I can, you know, I, if anything, I'm trying to eat more leading into competition, not <laughs> yeah. less. So I was good to go. My glycogen stores were through the roof. My hydration was good to go. I didn't have to worry about it. I didn't have to go do a nervous poo because I'm good to go on weight. Like I'm, I'm sorted, man. Um, so, you know, stepping on the mats and I felt strong. So, you know, I mean, if I was c- to compete at the elite level, like if I was going to Worlds, I probably would have to, you know, fill up into my bracket or maybe cut down because I'm in the awkward in between. But yeah, if particularly if you're a white belt, go the weight above. Like it's not going to matter. It really, really isn't going to matter. Like particularly if you are doing your strength and conditioning, everyone's going to feel light to you. It's it's not going to be the end of the world. So what about recovery? How, what do you recommend for people uh, post jujitsu, post competition for recovery? Do you recommend them taking like a uh, whey protein with like creatine or just replenish with macronutrients and, you know, clean food and stuff like that. What do you recommend? So we, t- we touched on a couple of things. I'll answer your main question and then I want to circle back to the, the supplements because I think that's important as well. So in terms of like your, you just finished your first comp, um, it was a full day. You did maybe like five or six um, different matches or whatever and you're feeling pretty gassed. I would be focusing in on restoring your glycogen stores. So you've just burnt yourself out. Think think about like someone that's just run a marathon. Like you're going to feel absolutely gassed. You're going to have no energy in the tank. It's the same with jujitsu. So we need to get your carbohydrates in. So I'd pretty much your first meal, like you can go eat whatever you want, even like go have burgers or, or your cheat meal. But if you're doing things like, you know, by the book, I would say uh, I would want to replenish you with some simple carbohydrates. The form of simple carbohydrates, um, it could be liquid calories is really good. So just to get that initial, you know, calorie dump, if you will. So a combination between simple carbs and protein would be good to go. You throw some electrolytes in there as well to, to you know, restore your hydrogen status. And then I'd want a substantial meal with more complex carbohydrates. So like, 
I, I don't you, you can have pretty much anything, but complex carbohydrates are things like starches, like rice, uh, potatoes, uh, even like vegetables, yams, things like that. Um, I, I would want to get in a, a full complete meal. So we're looking at carbohydrates, proteins, and fats. But the initial like carb replenishment is is the goal for recovery, and to couple that with some protein, and and you're good to go. So what about the and, uh, supplements? Yeah, so you mentioned creatine. I actually uh, recommend creatine. The the only supplement that I like officially recommend is uh, creatine, and I I think the research on creatine is just it's undeniable. It is the most well researched supplement on the market, hands down. By far, and in terms of sport, it's even it's even more well researched. It there, there is so much backing behind uh, creatine that it there, there's a very small subset of the population that are known as creatine non-responders, as in they're not going to respond to creatine. And for some reason, that that sort of that subset of group of people, that mindset has filtered into the the you know. The general population, so people think that you know most people are, are creatine non-responders, or that it doesn't work, or it's like a waste of money, or I've heard things like it it causes kidney problems, or it you know all sorts of crazy shit. Like none of that is true. Creatine is super safe. It's even safe for for children. That's not an official recommendation. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> so yeah, I recommend creatine for jujitsu athletes. How do you take creatine? You ask. I would take it uh, five grams a day is is fine for most people have it in pretty much have it wherever you can get it just make it consistent but if you really want to nerd out i, I think the best way that it's absorbed is in warm water uh with carbohydrates <laughs> if you really like but we're talking about the one percent is here it doesn't really matter so does it matter what kind of creatine because there's different like kinds out there is it creatine monohydrate or like what mm. what type of creatine yeah, there's so many different types of creatine. There's like monohydrate, uh, micronized creatine, mm-hmm. there's creatine esters, like the list goes on. Monohydrate is good to go. It is the one that has been researched. All the other cr- types of creatine have very, very little research in comparison to monohydrate. We're talking hundreds and hundreds of studies here. All the other types of creatine that you see, you'll also notice that they're more expensive. The reason for that is it's marketing. So <laughs> you don't need to worry about creatine, micronized creatine or whatever, or, or even creatine esters. Um, none of them are going to be worth the money, so to speak. So creatine is so, so cheap. Just go with creatine monohydrate. M- my personal preference in creatine monohydrate is uh, a type of creatine monohydrate known as Crea Pure. It's C-R-E-A-P-U-R-E, Crea Pure. And it's made out of Germany and it's the purest creatine in the world. <laughs> but uh, it's still cheap. It's great. Uh, it's just what I go with. So yeah, and it's so many different brands sell Crea Pure. So Crea Pure isn't like the brand that sells it. It's the, the type of creatine in the different uh, brands. So what about uh, protein powder supplement? Because there's, once again, there's a, there's a bunch of different out there. Does it really matter? Because we've always heard like, you don't want it. You don't want to do creatine concentrate or a, a protein concentrate. You want to or whey whey concentrate. You want to do a hydrolyzed whey isolate, or you want to do whey isolate, yeah. or like it is. Is there really any difference between them, or is it just the fact that you're yeah. doing it that matters? Look, there is a difference. There is a difference, and I see. I see where the people that are giving you this advice are coming from. So there's there's so much different types of creatine, but we'll break it down into four main c- categories for uh, sorry protein. Um, Protein supplements, there's four main categories. We have like our, our uh, plant-based proteins and we'll just set them aside for now. So that's one. Uh, the second is, you already mentioned it, is whey protein concentrate or WPC. Next is whey protein isolate or WPI as it's known. And then you have casein. So the you can then branch them down into two categories there. So you can have WPI and WPC. They're most closely related and then you have casein there is a big difference between casein and the the whey variants because casein is made up of so the way they make protein powders is from a byproduct of dairy products a byproduct of milk 60 percent of the byproduct of of when you produce milk is a protein known as casein so that's a protein molecule and then 40 percent is from the protein molecule whey it's a, a it's a different type of molecule whey is less complex in its structure than uh, casein. That's why casein is known as the slow release protein because it's a more complex molecule. It takes longer for your body to digest and break down with your digestive enzymes. So that is that is why that protein gets the term slow release. 
Now let's talk about whey protein isolate and whey protein concentrate, which is the crux of your question. So whey protein, the way the way they make whey protein <laughs> isolate is it's a double chemically filtered uh, protein. It's, it's kind of like I'm prepared for this question. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, um, it's a double chemically filtered uh, whey protein. So basically, what they do is they put the the that molecule that um, that whey the the whey protein through a double chemically filtered process, and they fi- they're, what they're filtering it filtering out is all of the carbohydrates and all of the fats. And what they're trying to do is pretty much have a pure protein product. And then you, you have different variations of WPI, but that's pretty much all, all what we're talking about is uh, a very concentrated uh, protein-based product. WPC, on the other hand, hasn't gone through the same amount of rigor, the same amount of uh, filtration, which is why you'll find if you have a look at the at the label, you'll see more uh, carbohydrates and more fats per uh, per serving, and it's because it hasn't gone through the same amount of, of filtration. And with that filtration comes a higher cost. So WPI is generally more expensive, but it's more expensive because it's being treated more. It's more expensive to produce, and it is more uh, concentrated, as in, which is ironic because it is called isolate. But it's more <laughs> isolated then. Um, now, which one should you have? Finally, we're, we're, we're there. Uh, so it depends on your budget. If you can afford it, WPI is my recommendation. If you if you don't want to invest that much into a protein supplement, that's perfectly fine. Just go with the WPC. Now, the the nutrition nutritionist in me hates the fact that these are you know supplements, if you will, because at the end of the day, it's a food source. It's food. Just think of think of having a protein shake as consuming a type of food because that's what it is. Um, so, shit answer. But I, I'd go with WPI over WPC if you can. Uh, but don't don't sweat the small stuff. Don't worry about it. Just. If, if you want to take a protein supplement, if it makes you feel better and it helps you get the, the nutrients in uh, when you most need them, as in the, the that uh, that window, if you will, 20 minutes after your, your jiu-jitsu sessions, then just go with whatever you, you've got. No, that was a great answer. I mean, that, that's I learned something there. I was I'm working like, on my shopping list while he's talking about. Yeah, it. I'm like, I'm like <laughs> taking, taking notes. I'm like, all right, I, I don't know anything about whey protein. Got it? <laughs> no, hey, I know you, you're stretched on time, man, and uh, we've been going for about as long as we can. So, uh, thank you so much for for coming on the show today, man. I know you got a meeting after this. You're a busy man with a business and <laughs> clients and everything like that. So, thank you for squeezing us in such early in the morning over there. If uh, people want to check you out and maybe even get some coaching from you because you sound like you know your stuff, where, where can people find you? So I'm on Instagram. It's uh, Kieran underscore Lefebvre. Uh, on YouTube, Kieran Lefebvre Jiu-Jitsu. If you just type in Kieran Jiu-Jitsu, I'm the first thing that pops up. And um, I also have a BJJ performance and longevity course out with Jordan. As you, I think we mentioned uh, my partnership with Jordan in the in the outset of the episode. So you can check that out as well. It's on all over Jordan's channels, all over mine. So that's where uh, I've concentrated most of you know the the content there. But and that's if, Jordan if you teaches Jiu-Jitsu, me. right? Jordan teaches Jiu-Jitsu yeah, on yeah, YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jordan teaches jujitsu, and the same on uh, on Instagram, I think. Uh, so yeah, we're pretty much the same across all platforms. So to find me, Kieran Fair, find John. John teaches jujitsu, and uh, that's where you find us. What 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 is uh, real quick? Give us uh, the people at home that don't know anything about this longevity course. What does it cover, mm. and then uh, where can they find it? Also, yeah. So the BJJ performance and longevity course is essentially four pillars or four modules, if you will. First is taught by Jordan, and it's mat safety. And the other three are taught by myself and it covers mobility, strength and conditioning and nutrition. So it's pretty much, we tried to make it like the the ultimate complete resource for all your uh, longevity is in being on the mats as long as you possibly can. And uh, the performance when you're there, improve your performance. Just operate at the the highest level that you're, you as an individual are capable of. So that's what the, the whole course is geared towards. Uh, you can find that, all, all the links to that course are in both my uh, my link trees, my bios and Jordan's, at Jordan Teaches Jiu-Jitsu. And if you want to find it directly, if you just Google uh, BJJ Performance and Longevity, you'll find that. Perfect. John, you got anything else? No, man, thank you. That was great. Oh, we always, we, we can't stop this interview without... Kieran, if you could give one piece of advice to a brand new white belt, what would it be? I'd, I'd say be consistent. I know this has been said before, but it's <laughs> it, it's just so like I, I was thinking about this. Um, 
it, it's it's consistency. Like I, even though it's a cop out, just keep showing up, keep showing up, and and everything else will fall into place if you just keep showing up and and keep having a good time while doing it. The the whole jujitsu journey will will path itself, if you will. So that that is, yeah, you can't get past the. The classic, but it's a classic for a reason because hey, it's, it's true. You can't get better at jujitsu if you never go to jujitsu, right? <laughs> exactly, it's true. Exactly. <laughs> All right, Kieran. Hey, Dan, thank you so much for coming on the show today, man. Uh, people out there, you should watch out because Kieran and I are working on some stuff in the background also together. We're trying to do mm. some content together, so you'll I'll let you guys know when when all that's coming out. Uh, unfortunately, we're both very busy people, so we don't we don't get to do this full time. <laughs> <laughs> Probably two years, I don't know, something yeah. like that. Maybe <laughs> so, when my black belts would collapse. Yeah, there we go. So, yeah. John, you got anything else? No, thank you. All right, guys, thanks for watching. Listen at home. Remember, no oil checks here. Oops. All right, guys, peace. <laughs>